This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox and in just a few moments, Carol Peterson from Nature Encounter Tours and Travel will join us to talk about Africa and other exotic destinations. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. While Ontario voters may have some problems with Premier Doug Ford and some of his ideas, one idea stands out from all the others, and it's being well-received everywhere, including here in B.C. That's the idea of essentially banning cell phones from Ontario classrooms. Our friend Mario Canseco and his research company just finished a survey of British Columbians on this topic, 78% of us would like our government to either definitely or probably follow suit. Now, younger British Columbians under 35 are the least likely to support such a ban, but even there, the support was over two out of three at 68%. Very little difference between people with kids in school and those who don't have kids in school. The only caveat comes from those who want to look at how other countries like Australia and Britain have done and try not to make any of their mistakes. There will always be exceptions, of course, but in principle, there's widespread report support rather for a full ban phones, cell phones of all descriptions from K to 12 in BC schools. From the courts this week, a police officer stepped over the line when he detained a Quebec woman for refusing to hold on to an escalator handrail. This was a ruling from, of all people, the Supreme Court of Canada this week when they took a shot at Montreal's transit system in the process. The woman's name was Bella Kasoyan, and she was in a subway station in the Montreal suburb of Laval when a police officer, a local officer, told her to respect a pictogram bearing the instruction, hold the handrail. She replied she did not consider the image which also featured the word careful to be an obligation and declined to hold the handrail and refused to identify herself. Well, officers detained her for about 30 minutes and then they let her go with two tickets, one for 100 bucks for disobeying a pictogram and uh, another for $320 for obstructing the work of an inspector. Now, she was acquitted of both infractions in Montreal municipal courts a couple of years after that. And uh, she also filed a lawsuit for $45,000 for just because she could. Her suit was rejected by the courts in Quebec and the uh, Quebec Courts of Appeal, but it did make its way to the Supreme Court of Canada, which found the woman was the author of, not the author of her own misfortune, as the Quebec courts thought. No, no. Supreme Court found this woman, Bella Kasoyan, was entitled to refuse to obey an unlawful order, and she didn't get 45000 She got 20000 in damages. Moral of the story? Pictograms are not legal orders. They are suggestions. It's a great weekend to be a skier. Two of our three local mountains, Grouse and Cypress, are open today. Mount Seymour saying they're really close, too. Up the road, Whistler Blackcomb, Blackcomb Mountain, the Peak-to-Peak Gondola, and the Creekside Gondola all opened on Thursday. Looking ahead to the end of the season, that'll be for Whistler in May 25th. Others close in late April. Obviously, we're looking at limited runs available on all mountains we've just named. But after a few months off, it will feel great to be back on the boards again. And finally, last week, we enthused about a new cannabis producer here in BC called Speakeasy, which is about to begin production in the Kelowna area. 
we incorrectly identified Sunripe, BC's famous fruit drink company, as being involved in this new venture. We were wrong. Sunripe representatives reached out to us to clarify that while the co-founder of this cannabis company, Speakeasy, is Mark Green, he's the son of the former chairman of Sunripe, Merv Green, the new cannabis company has no connections to Sunripe. Still, as we told you last week, there's a long history of successful farming practices that will be applied to this new venture, which could be a big bonus in the Okanagan region. Those are some of the week's top stories. Much more to come later on. Up next, your calls and a great storyteller in studio. Carol Peterson will join us from Nature Encounters Tours and Travel when we return right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this cloudy Saturday afternoon, the last day of November. My gosh, what happened to that month? I think I blinked about three times and poof, that one was gone. I have a, a, I tend to think of myself as a fairly well-traveled human being and did so up until about 25 minutes ago (laughs) when I first met Carol Peterson, who is in studio with us. Carol is the owner-operator of Nature Encounters Tours and Travel. Hi. Hi, Sterling. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Good. Thanks, Good thanks for coming in. Thank you, you know, the, the, this person across the desk from me is indeed a well-traveled human being. Turns out, Carol, I'm barely there. <laughs> I have not been to the continent of Africa even oh, once. Well. And you've been there how many dozen times oh, now? Well, I've led 80... My next uh, safari will be my 89th. And then I've been there a number of times just on my own as well. But... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like home for me, so maybe you should come along. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> Absolutely love to. Now, uh, you are, are well-known to CKNW mm-hmm. listeners because you and your company, Nature Encounters Tours, uh, have done some work. You, you were a, a John, my, my friend John McComb was my telling me, we had a beer about a month ago, <laughs> and he was t- we had a chance to just sit back and relax, and he told me all about the riverboat cruise. Oh, yeah. And he said it was just a blast. Yeah. They had, and that's one, that is on my to-do list. Okay. Way, way ahead of Africa. As okay. a matter of fact, yep, that's okay. Uh, and and but so you've done that. You helped John organize tours. You've yep. also been to Africa with John too, have you not? Yes, yes. Um, so I started my relationship with CKNW in 2012, and and I did a tour that was to be hosted by Christy Clark, and oh. then she went back into politics. So okay. we went unhosted, um, and then uh, we picked it back up again in t- for 2017. And I took John and uh, quite a few other people to Africa. We went to Kenya, and then. In uh, 2018, we were on a Danube River cruise. I wear two hats, my Nature Encounters Tours and Travel hat, and then I also work with the Expedia Cruise Ship Centers of West Vancouver. Okay. And so that's my other hat where I do the cruises. Um, we were on a Baltic cruise uh, with John this year as well. Yeah, he told me all about yeah, that, too. Yeah, that was We fantastic. had a couple of beers, okay. Yeah, okay, well, you must have. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a few vodkas in there. No, 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 no. It was the afternoon. It was oh, the middle okay, of the day. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, you know, he told me about that yeah. Baltic cruise, and he yeah, said the beauty of that was it wasn't a ginormous cruise ship so it could pull up to berths Mm -hmm. that the big boats can't get close to so you were able to essentially park it's not a nautical term but close to the action exactly and we had three full days in russia in saint petersburg right one of which in the middle we went off to moscow for the day and that was a whole adventure catching the train and and uh we had a a few fun moments there but uh it was very very special so um and you're right we went with uh, azamara cruise line there with that to, for that trip mm-hmm. and on the Danube we did Avalon cruises and right. um, that was just fantastic as well so, so. what uh, what took you to Africa mm. for your first 
vocation? Good question. Uh, I am a photographer by trade. I okay. worked in Calgary uh, for 22 years as a medical photographer doing um, in a hospital, doing a lot of child abuse and medical legal and um, instruction on on um, preoperative, postoperative uh, things for books, t- uh, teaching purposes. Mm-hmm. And it was a very uh, difficult job to do. So, And I'm a real animal fanatic, so I volunteered my services uh, back when uh, the Olympics were about to arrive in 86. I guess that tells you how old I am, but no, you know. <laughs> you know, we can skip past that quickly. <laughs> uh, but we started to, um, I-, I offered my services as a photographer, and so I did uh, elephant foot surgery, and I did, because uh, I know my way around an operating room quite well, and then uh, polar bear root canals and oh, things my. like that. And then this was the I, Calgary Zoo. Then, it, right? The Calgary Zoo. Okay. Yep. And I fell in love with gorillas, and so I ended up as an educational uh, docent, as they call it, mm-hmm. standing in front of an enclosure talking mm-hmm. about gorillas and their um, survival and um, whatnot. And and I had to go. So my first trip to Africa was in 1990 as a photographer, as just as a. Uh, a on tourist. vacation, a tourist, yeah. exactly. I got off the plane. Uh, it was September of 1990. I got off the plane in Harare, Zimbabwe, and it felt like somebody was embracing me, and that was it. I could even get teary-eyed right now, even thinking about it, because it was such a an impact. It was like I'd been there before, and uh, so I spent uh, a month traveling through Botswana and Zimbabwe. And then Kenya and Tanzania, and we were supposed to go in to see the gorillas, but war broke out. That was just before the genocide, 1990, and the genocide was in 94. So there's a lot of stuff going on at that time. So it wasn't safe for us to go in. Mm -hmm. So I cried all the way home. And before I even got home, I had my flight booked to come back the next year. Uh, I did little slideshows in the church basements, in the, the hospital auditorium, and so on and so forth. And then people started wanting to come with me, and I started leading tours. I did tours for, um, like, P. Lawson Travel oh, in those sure. days. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. That's a well-known and, name. Yeah. yeah, West Cantrex, things like that. And um, I did that for about 10 years, and at that point, I was still working at the hospital. Um, my father passed away in 98, so it became more difficult for me to see sickness and death and dying. I just really had a hard time with that. So in 2000, I left the hospital and started Nature Encounters Tours and Travel. Ah. And that's where um, things really started to ramp up, uh, traveling to Africa. I was there probably once or twice a year, every second year in those first 10 years. And then uh, starting 19, uh, 19, or sorry, starting 2000, then I started going two and three times a year. Last year I had six safaris, um, or five safaris. Next year I have six safaris. So, so what's the difference between a tour mm. and going on safari? Well, safari is just the uh, uh, Swahili word for to travel. Okay. So when people say, I want to go on safari, yeah. we all go on safari. Even if you get on a bus and uh, you know, or the sea bus, you're going on safari. But, uh, of course, you want to take that one step further and, and wildlife viewing um, is called game driving. So that's the thing about Africa that I think people love the most is is being one with nature and having that proximity to wildlife and um, and like where it all began. It's just, it's it's quiet. It's 
uh, it's beautiful. It's um, empowering. It's passion. It's it's does, all does of it those give things. you that kind of cradle oh. of civilization uh, buzz as well? If For you know me, what I mean, it does yeah. and did right from that very first day. And it, not even the the fact that where we began. It's just how harmoniously everything lives together. Yeah, I know that you know lions eat wildebeest and mm-hmm. whatnot, but it's only because they have to. They're they're providing for their babies and and they have to do that. There's only been one case where I saw lions kill without really needing to. They had killed. It was during the um, uh, migration. We were in the middle of the Serengeti, and there were two lionesses that were along the uh, Serenera River, and they were pounding out these wildebeest. They had killed 10 of them. And before they, before one was dead, they're looking at the next one. And I'll tell you, the wilde, or the um, uh, uh, vultures were all over the place, the hyenas, all the, the, the predators. Sure. And they're all waiting for these animals to die so that they could, you know, dig in. But uh, these girls were just crazy. I don't know whatever happened to them. But So what is, what's the danger factor? I mean, you're talking mm. about a lot of, a lot of creatures and, yeah. and you go to, and you see these gorgeous shots. I'm thinking of the Attenborough films of Africa and so on. They just take your breath away. And you can have a panorama in which you can Mm -hmm. see literally thousands of creatures all at once. So what's the danger factor? Well, first of all, you listen to your guide. Your guide is like your mother, your father, your uh, nurse, your teacher, your God, really, you know, is and you listen to this person. Usually 99% of them are male. There are more females coming into the business now, but it is a male-dominated um, you know, it just is. Okay. Um, so you listen to your guide. And we do a lot of walking in Zimbabwe and Botswana. You can do a lot of walking in those two countries. You can in Kenya and Tanzania as well, but we tend to do more vehicle um, safaris there just because it's you get closer to lines. You do not get out of your vehicle mm-hmm. if there are lines close by. Right, right. You know, uh, other cultures have been known to do that just for a better photograph and, you know, haven't lived to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. So you listen to your guide. So the safety issue, there is no worry. I never have any worries. In fact, there's one place in Ambaseli National Park, there's a, a gal, um, uh, Cynthia Moss has been doing research on elephants for 50 years. And uh, so the animals are habituated to seeing her vehicles around. So you can sit there on the road and have elephants walk by you and almost touch out, reach in or whatever, but, uh, you know, come so close to you and they're just feeding their babies because you're sitting there quietly. They just see you as another species. They don't know that you're a human. There's no threat no to threat. them. Absolutely not. Well, numerically, of course, you are at a distinct disadvantage, yeah. no matter how large your <laughs> yeah. tour group is. Yeah. When, they're, when they're in the thousands, you've yeah. got maybe a couple of dozen. Yes. There's, there's the math and for it's you. it's very humbling to be in the sitting in the middle of a herd of elephants, let me tell you. Very humbling. I'll bet it is. Mm. So what's the fascination in, in, in mm. terms of, uh, of, of people going as groups is that is there security in in that mm-hmm. uh, the sort of traveling with a number of people? Yes, uh, Africa is not like going to Hawaii or Europe or anything. You just don't get off the train or whatever and find your way around. First of all, if there is any danger, it's going to be in the big cities, Nairobi, Johannesburg, any places like that. Um, so, for my guess, you mean just big city crime just big type city danger? Crime. Okay, it is sure. here too, of right? You okay. know, you, there's certain areas that you yep. would avoid here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nairobi, I love Nairobi. I love the energy of it. 
but but you know give me three or four days and I want to get out into the bush too. Sure. So um, so I would say that you know traveling as a group uh, for my groups in particular I always either meet you at the airport uh, as you get off the plane or I have one of my guides there picking you up. So there's no room for error there. Um, and then you travel in a group but it isn't in great big buses. You're in small smaller um, Land Rovers or Land Cruisers okay. or whatever and they're in for Nature Encounters Tours and Travel there are four to five people in a vehicle. I don't put six to ten people in a vehicle like some others do mm-hmm. uh, just to give you more room and whatnot. So you're always you may not be with your tour leader the whole time but you're always with a local guide uh, in our case it's somebody that I've known for 20 years like I've been doing this for almost 30 years now so okay. my guides are are like my brothers and all through the continent. And so this is this is not a kind of a DIY location. I'm just picking up on what yeah. you were saying. It's not like Hawaii or Mexico or no. where you can go. Mexico is getting a little dangerous to try yeah. and do this these days. But nonetheless, people just sort of land mm-hmm. and rent a car and buzz yeah. off, just disappear no. for a couple of weeks. Too many creatures want you for lunch would well, be one of the big reasons that would discourage me. Exactly. <laughs> I, do, that, but that's, I, I don't want to be a lunch. I'd rather just be a visitor. Thank you very much. Exactly. And that's... That's good. I'm glad. Then you can come on safari with me. Then. <laughs> good. But um, yeah, you know, um, I've heard people say, oh, well, I'll just figure it out and whatnot. And it scares me. Too dangerous. Uh, it, it is dangerous. Um, uh, the road systems alone, how do you know how to get through the Serengeti? It's huge. Right. How do you know how to get through Wangi National Park in Zimbabwe? You know, it's a huge, huge uh, park. They're... Um, uh, and you just don't know your way around. Y- yeah, people do it, but they have a lot of experience b- prior to that. They have done some self-drives before and that kind of thing. But I wouldn't, uh, as your first time, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. Well, I'm looking at, at, at the uh, website, friends. Uh, Carol's mm. website is natureencounterstours.com. And on the homepage is uh, one little ad thing that says the best of Kenya with CKNW Simi Sarah, Yay. June 2020. Mm-hmm. Click to view details. <laughs> so this will be Simi's first trip, right? This is. And do you think she's excited? Mm, just a little bit. All <laughs> just bad. Yeah, I'm excited to take her, too. She's... Uh, it was wonderful traveling with John and Kristen. They were, oh my gosh, they were just fantastic. And um, I love John, but I really love his wife, Kristen, too. She was just, she was, her and I were crying a lot. And I mean, I've been there so many times, but you, you just, you know, you just get really connected with people there. And I'm really looking forward to Simi and, and uh, showing her the same the same stuff. And CKNW listeners can get can join you. Absolutely. We've got, uh, 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 the group is just about full. Oh, is that right? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is November, the last day of November. <laughs> this is We're talking now next summer and it's yes. almost sold out. Yes, wow. it is. Um, for the reason being that, you know, Simi's done a great job of talking about it on the, um, on the radio and uh, we did some promotion in September. And um, so, but we still have some space, a little bit of space. And, and uh, if we need to, we can put on a second departure quite easily. Simi won't be on that one, but uh, I can easily, I'll already be there. So I can just turn around and, and uh, stay for, for the second departure. Well, if you're interested in any of this mm. kind of stuff, uh, we're going to take a break for the, the news at the bottom of the hour. Check Nature Encounters Tours, Encounters, plural, yeah. Tours, yeah. plural, <laughs> dot com. Nature Encounters Tours dot com. And right Right there, the
the best to Kenya with CKNW Simi Sarah. And when we come back after the news break, we'll talk about Mediterranean cruising with one John McComb. Uh-huh. He won't be doing the morning show at CKNW by then. He's retiring, you know. Yes. But by next May, he'll be ready for a boat ride and I a lot so. of fun. <laughs> Our guest in studio is Carol Peterson from Nature Encounters Tours and Travel. And uh, we'll be right back with lots more. Welcome back to the show, Carol Peterson, who's the owner-operator of Nature Encounters Tours and Travel in studio. I'm Sterling Fox, and I've had a a really good go at Carol in terms of questions, and I have dozens more. But I think, in fairness, I should open up our phone lines, because lots of other people, lots of people, this is a great time of year to have you on with us, Carol, because, of course, in the short term, our concerns are about, we we survived Black Friday, Cyber Monday's around the corner. Little matter of the Christmas season ahead, but nonetheless, you know, it's also approaching New Year's resolution season, and maybe 2020 is going to be the year mm-hmm. we finally jump across the pond and go somewhere we've never been before. True. So if you'd like to, if you have some questions about traveling in Africa or the Mediterranean, our guest, Carol Peterson, is a renowned world traveler, unlike <laughs> your host. Uh, the lines are wide open at uh, 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. I mentioned before the news, we talked about the best of Kenya with Simi Sarah. That hosted tour, uh, Simi's going to uh, run with your assistance next June. Yes. John McComb will be a retired broadcaster by next May, but he'll also be a game as all get out to host that Mediterranean cruise uh, with you. Uh, And uh, so what's the difference? So because John went, as I told you, uh, John and I, when we got together last, he had experiences of the two. Ah. He had an ocean cruise Mm -hmm. to the Baltic Sea Mm -hmm. and a river cruise up the Danube to tell me about. And I never did really get from him, Carol, which of the two he preferred. Which Mm. is your preference? Well, you know, I think it's it's very destination um, uh, motivated. Uh, you know, for some people, the Danube, like I love Budapest. So sailing down the Danube River and ending up in Budapest is just an amazing thing to do. But it's hard to compare that to sailing through the Kiel Canal on your way to Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're very different. And of course, uh, um, you know, it's it's hard to really say what what would be the very favorite thing. They're just, uh, you just know. different. Yeah, they are just different. And they're really uh, both fantastic. Uh, I think John enjoyed both of them, mm-hmm. again, because they were so different. Yeah. I think he was really, um, when he talked about the Baltic, I remember listening to him, he was as a broadcaster, you know, uh, and a news guy, you know, the whole, all that he'd heard oh, about sure. all this, you know, you guys are have broadcasted all this history and mm-hmm. whatnot, and then actually going there and seeing it, you know, which is pretty amazing. Sure. So uh, I think that that would be um, w- really that's why he talked about that one a the lot. river cruise concept mm. has really caught on Carol and yeah. it started in Europe yeah. and we'll talk more about uh, various European destinations mm-hmm. you have just returned home to mm-hmm. Canada after a riverboat cruise on the Mekong River exactly. in Vietnam for yeah, crying Vietnam out loud. How, how was that oh man I just I, I have not spent a lot of time in Asia I've been to Hong Kong and I did nine days in, in Japan just prior to that which I loved. That was a land a land trip. But uh, let me tell you, the Mekong River Cruise, uh, the Vietnamese and Cambodian people were just so lovely, warm, welcoming. Now, we saw so many t- World Heritage sites, so many sad situations from when I was in Japan was Hiroshima. And then, of course, the killing fields in ha- Hilton, uh, Hanoi Hilton mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and to see the people come from such a diversity and be who they are... Uh, 
like I said, warm and welcoming, wonderful temples. The food, oh my God. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. It was just, right. oh, we, we, we were saying, oh my Buddha. <laughs> uh, of course. It was, of oh, course. It was just when outstanding. Oh man, it, it really was. And uh, I'm going to miss the food a lot uh, just because it's so light and fresh and, and whatnot. So. Unlike organizing a tour, mm-hmm. when, when uh, a safari, when you're going to a specific land destination, uh, typically people would go with a small group, wouldn't they? Whereas if you're just going to go on a river cruise, you can just do it as a couple. You can that's do right. it as an individual yep, if you want. That's right. It, it's not necessary to, to get join to, a, group. a gang together. No, is not it? at all. Not at all. And even with a safari, I do that as well too. I do what we call independent travelers. So I, I just had three sets of people come back from Zimbabwe and Botswana, two, two, and two, uh, and because they didn't fit into one of my groups. I'm doing Zimbabwe and Botswana in September of 2020. Okay. So and they needed to go this year. So I organize that kind of stuff. I can also do that for cruises as well. You don't have to be part of a group anytime. You can just join on with a group. And of course, it's always about availability. The beauty of the river cruises is that you're in a small ship, smaller number of people anywhere from uh, there's a uh, uh, Avalon has got a make on a a cruise boat that has 34 people on it. Ours had 144. But either way, they're very small, Small. very intimate. um, uh, and there are two or three different cruise lines that, that do the Macon. Um, it, yeah, it's just, it's very different than being on a, on a, uh, an ocean cruise for sure. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Now I'm told that in the spring uh-huh. it, it's the riskiest time to try and do a riverboat t- cruise yeah. of Europe because of the, the runoff levels. from, from yeah. the mountains yeah. and, and the rivers rise and they can't, some of these boats, and even though they're quite low profile, yes. Yes. they still get, they, they're too have high. Trouble, yeah. And so you have to literally dock, walk around the bridge to get on yeah, another, another boat, boat. Yes. and, and and off you go and they you know, continue. These cruise lines are are amazing at how they do it because if you wait later on in the year, then the water level could be too low. Sure. And you never know that. It's like the migration in Kenya and Tanzania. It all depends on rain and water and what, what animals do what and what how much water it is in these rivers. And so uh, it's it's really difficult to, you know, to predict. So you just have to do what works best for you and know that whomever you book with, uh, if you book with a travel consultant... I, that, you know, um, we as travel consultants, we don't, it's not more expensive to travel with us. Right. It isn't. But we handle a lot of stuff that happens that as a person just booking directly may not be able to help with, sure. you know. so Especially half a world away. Yeah, totally. Uh, so uh, that's always a, um, a good subject in itself. But uh so just doing what it is that works best for you, the time of year, the itinerary is very important. You not you must do what works for you, itinerary wise. Okay, is there a, is there and let's let's zoom in on Africa because we're, yes. we're m- much more familiar with Europe. It's mm. a, a northern country like yes. us and not all that different. A little older, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, some of the buildings, much. you know, a little yeah. older. Uh, but but let's talk about Africa. Is there, for example, in Asia, they have a rainy season, the yes. monsoon season. Yes. You don't particularly want to pick that time of no. year. How about Africa? Is there a time of year that's the worst 
or the right. best? Well, it depends. Uh, there's East Africa and Southern Africa. Oh, okay. Out of the the out of the two destinations. Um, they're quite different, actually. Uh, East Africa includes Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, where you would see the gorillas, and Uganda, where you'd see the gorillas. Those four countries. Um, and then, uh, and if you wanted to see classic Africa, the wildebeest and the, mm. you know, the, the Serengeti the stuff. Serengeti and the right. trees dotted on the horizon, uh, et cetera, that's where you want to go. And it usually is a little less expensive. Uh, Botswana and Zimbabwe and Zambia um, are three countries that uh, are a little bit wilder. Uh, the Botswana has has these huge waterways, the Okavango Delta, which is a totally different ecosystem in itself. Um, the uh, Zimbabwe is one of my all time favorites. My very first trip to Zimbabwe, day two, I was sleeping uh, outside. Day three, I was sleeping outside. Uh, with my mosquito net over top of me and uh, my paddles, I was canoeing, um, held the mosquito net up and my guide said, Carol, wake up. And I was awake. He said, come in, come here, look, look. And so I sat up on my bed, got rid of my mosquito net and here he points and here's this great big huge bull elephant about maybe 10 feet away. He came around and he sat beside me on, on the bed and on the cot and, and this bull elephant came, stood about two feet from me, put his trunk up and I remember the Calgary zookeeper saying to me, just blow into their trunk and you'll get to know, they'll get to know who you are. Well, that's in, in domestic scene. Sure, sure, right. I was thinking, should I or should, should I? Should I blow well, I up this animal's nose <laughs> and really irritate no, him? Yeah, yeah, no, not so much. But he was this very gentlemanly bull elephant. He just sniffed, he put his trunk down, and then he proceeded to eat the acacia pods right beside us, like they were candy. And he was just popping them in his mouth. Meanwhile, the rest of my group snoring away, you know, and that was it for me. Zimbabwe, Manipal's National Park, or the place if I have a week to live, that's where I'm going to be. Now, we talked about the danger factor a little earlier, but tell a story, because you told Ben and me before we started the program this afternoon about you in your tent with with the roaring lions, literally right outside uh, a wall of canvas. Canvas. And they have like claws 10 feet long. But that wall was actually, that was all it took. Yeah, they don't even know you're in there. Well, you know, um, uh, you remember Cecil the lion that was a lion that was killed in... Um, yes. Yes. Well, I knew him quite well, actually. He was... Uh, uh, I have an amazing guide uh, in Zimbabwe in Hwangi National Park that I visit on a regular basis. And I had a group there and he was... Um, Cecil was going through our camp and he was roaring. It was just this big... Ooh, and I'm not doing any justice, right? And it was right beside our tent. And you could, the, literally, the walls of the tent, the canvas, was just shaking. It's such a profound sound. Oh, bet, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, then we, we he, watch so, the Attenborough movies. We, yeah, we have a sense. But if it's 10 but feet turn no, that up. If it's two feet away from your head, it, yeah. it's a whole other yeah, experience. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he's just calling. He's calling to his brothers and, and his girls to say, I'm here. You know, they're not calling, certainly, because they're hunting, because why would you do that? You'd scare everything away. Mm-hmm. And um, so I threw on some clothes, grabbed my camera, ran out, and he had walked along uh, beyond the watering hole. He went, had a drink at another watering hole. We jumped in vehicles and we followed him. That's the last time I saw him. Oh, interesting and stuff. And it was it was. But you weren't amazing. afraid? No, no. No, it was, it was a privilege. It was an absolute privilege to be that close 
And he had no look at us whatsoever. I mean, he did look at us, obviously, but, you know, it's just like, oh, there's another vehicle or that's another species there, mm-hmm. you know, like no big deal whatsoever. Now, you don't get out of your vehicle again. You get out of your vehicle, you're asking for, you know, trouble. More trouble you than you can probably prey. handle. Sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about cost? Yes. Because, you know, this is a fantasy mm. for a lot of people. Me included. Yeah. So if I want to take my Carol and go Mm -hmm. to Africa and do a safari and do all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. how many million dollars is it going to set me back? Well, it is not, uh, it's not an inexpensive adventure. Uh, I was being a little facetious there, I hope. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you know, people say, oh man, that's a lot of money. But you have to remember where you're going. It's, it's. It's a half a world away, yeah. so it's two nine-hour flights to get you there. So there alone, so London airfare, and then London down. Is or, that usually? yeah, London, Amsterdam, right. okay. Paris, Frankfurt. any, right. any okay. one of those right. down, and then from there down to either Nairobi or Johannesburg, depending on where you're going to fly, uh, where you're going to do your safari. Um, from there, uh, then everything should be included: your transfers, your meals, your game drives, your all your activities, all of that kind of stuff. So it's like it's if you were to do a cruise, then you have to add on your shore excursions, and you have to add on, you know, if you go out for dinner somewhere or or your drinks. Uh, sometimes drinks are included in the mm-hmm. safari package. Some of them, some are not. Right. But um, when I do it, I also include your gratuities because nobody likes that. That stuff. Sure. You know, it's just a, it's a nasty thing to have to think about, but it's a really important thing to think about. And it's typically a two week long yes. adventure. So uh, our ground operators um, uh, will quote me in US dollars. So I in turn quote in US dollars because then I leave it up to our guests sure. as to how they want to pay. Do they want to pay by credit card? Then they have to transfer the fees and, you know, so on and so forth or US draft, whatever works best for them. So to give you an example, Simi's trip, uh, we've, I've, I've, uh, uh, offer that in Canadian dollars. It's eighty six ninety five. Okay. For two weeks, all and that's in. all in yeah. except for your air. Okay. And your insurance is not included. So we should talk about insurance just briefly. Yes. Insurance is absolutely necessary when you travel. We had a lovely, lovely couple come on the Danube with us. Not even sixty. We got to our uh, to Prague. Um, uh, one of them had uh, a medical issue had to go into the hospital, ended up having to go home, and their insurance covered everything. So um, luckily, you know, that was covered. And as long as we're talking about compulsory items to consider when taking a tour with you, Mm -hmm. um, especially when we're going to a warm destination like Africa, Mm -hmm. visas will be required most likely, as will some shots, right? Exactly. And that's, You have to get a medical passport of some kind, don't you? An international medical certificate or something like that? I do a full pre-departure package. So the visas, uh, again, my company does all the visas uh, for you because it's easier. I do them all the time. Some of them are online, some of them are not. Um, and we just add that into your package. Uh, and then your medical and health, you should always see your family doctor and then a travel doctor so that you get best, the best of both worlds and mm-hmm. find out what do you need. Yellow fever, do you have it? Have you had it? Um, anti-malaria pills, absolutely necessary. 
Yeah, so those kinds of things. A good um, consultant uh, or someone who's versed in travel to Africa would be able to help you with that. All right, well, it's just important details here. Mm. Now, there is an opportunity to get to know Carol Peterson and her company, Nature Encounters Tours, coming up at Hollyburn yes. uh, on Tuesday night. Now, Tuesday is our pledge day. We're at yeah. the Hotel Vancouver all day, but at 7 o'clock that evening uh, at the at Hollyburn, you're mm-hmm. going to be doing a slideshow yes. on Africa and uh, your recent cruised a couple of weeks ago on the Mekong River. Right. I'm not doing the Mekong uh, presentation. Uh, my friend Peter uh, from Avalon Waterways will be doing that, okay. and he's fantastic. So if you want to know a little bit about uh, traveling with Avalon or on the Mekong River uh, or traveling to Africa with me, we'd love to see you. Just give me a call. And that number is 604-947-9005. It's on the website, too, which is Nature Encounters. Tours.com. 604-947-9005 for the slideshow up at Hollyburn on Tuesday. Carol Peterson, we're fresh out of time, and I regret that because this is really fun. Nice to meet you. And you what too, a my fascinating, friend. well-traveled <laughs> human being you really are. Well, please come back you. and, and uh, join us again. Regale us with more tall tales of travel. Love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and it was wonderful to talk with you too, Sterling. Oh, you're welcome. All we're right. back after this. And once again, our thanks to Carol Peterson from Nature Encounters Tours and Travel for a fascinating visit today. Next hour, John Carlson drops by with his year-end review of Metro Vancouver Real Estate. Time now, though, for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer, Ben Dooley, checks out Christmas tree shortages. Thanks, Sterling. If a live Christmas tree is an important part of your holiday tradition, you may want to hurry to get one or be ready to shell out a little more than usual. Growers and sellers across BC are reporting a shortage of trees that is manifesting itself across the continent. Ken Schrawin with ArtNap in Port Coquitlam told Global News the problem has been a decade in the making. Growers, what, 10 years ago, slowed down planting because of the recession. So now we're catching up that, and a lot of growers have stopped growing them because they weren't getting the money for the trees. Schrawin said most of the trees sold in B.C. come from Washington State, with some grown locally. Schrawin said Knapp ordered their trees last year to ensure stock and hold prices steady. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. Local food banks are seeing more new clients this year. Both the Greater Vancouver Food Bank and the Surrey Food Bank are reporting a sharp increase in demand. And they say it's a combination of higher housing costs, more pressure to stretch those household dollars even more, and the seasonal cold snap. Food banks tell us many who use their services are employed, but simply not able to keep up with their bills. Single people in particular this year appear to be feeling the crunch with 86% more coming to the food bank than last year. If you'd like to help, they only ask that you check with your local food bank to see what they really need. We hear this a lot from food banks too because it's true. Money can sometimes be the most helpful donation rather than food because they can take your $10 or $100 and they can double or even triple that and sometimes make it much stronger than it really is, depending on what they're buying. Anything you can give would be appreciated. Now, the weather office says tomorrow around noon, Vancouver will be under, uh, well, uh, pretty much a sky like we're under right now. A few clouds, temperature of about four, pretty much picture-perfect weather for an official appearance uh, from Santa. Now, wouldn't you say? The big guy in the red suit and his entourage arrive at noon tomorrow with the 16th annual Telus Presents Santa Claus Parade. CKNW and Global 
Global will be one of the many floats and will be accepting donations to the Kids Fund and the Food Bank, too. Georgia and Broughton, the starting point at noon. The parade will head east on Georgia past the Art Gallery, turn south on Howe Street, and finish up at Davie. There's a ticketed breakfast with Santa at the Hotel Vancouver. Uh, that starts at 8.30. And there's all sorts of family fun at what they're calling Christmas Square in front of the Art Gallery between 10 and noon before the parade starts. Dress warmly, be ready for many road closures, some of which have already started in the downtown area. Bring the whole family and say hi to the big guy for me, too. That's noon tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. That is our first hour here of Vancouver Consumer, produced by Ben Dooley, Andrew Ferreira's steady hand on the tiller. I'm Sterling Fox, back with John Carlson. Johnny Smartpoint is on deck when we return after the news, right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.